Hello everyone, welcome to That Brit Risk TV Show once again on GCP with the one and only Mr. Kieran Lafort. Hello, Kieran. Hello. Every time you call me the one and only, that's not actually true, I found out recently. Ah. So for years and years, like if you Googled my name, you only got me. And then my name started showing up in ski results, like with skiing times. I've never skied in my life. And it turns out there is a French-Canadian ski instructor with my name. He's like 20 years younger than me, which explains like why I had that long run of being a Google unique. But yeah, apparently there is another Kieran Lefort in the world. I've never seen his face because like he's always got like a ski helmet on in any pictures I've seen. So yeah, there is another one out there somewhere. The the only ski you've been been near is um, a yogurt. <laughs> I don't even like those. <laughs> don't even like those now. <laughs> uh, so um, it's, we, 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 we've not talked for a while, Kieran. It's been, no. I know it's been a month, but it's been a long month. Seems like we've just done hundred podcasts it, each. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, last time out, we only went like two or three weeks between shows, and this time it's been like five or six. So like we we were doing beginning of the month, and it's moved to end of the month this time round. But yeah. yeah, I originally watched these two shows several weeks ago and then had to watch them again this week to take my notes. So I was fresh for this and I had forgotten a lot of the stuff that happened. I'd forgotten what Dan Belinka looked like. <laughs> well, he changes between the two shows because they're clearly from two different tapings and his hair oh. changes. It gets longer between episode 12 and 13. So um, let's get into um, the one and only UWA Wrestling Rampage. We're up to episode 12 and 13 now. So episode 12, we start with um, the one and only Dan Belinka in the truck. As he uh, runs, us through, runs us through last time's controversy, this was all over um, Stevie Knight and Kerry Cabrero yeah. and Phil Powers. Yeah, Phil Powers is the TV champion and... Uh, uh... He got turned on by Kerry Cabrero, who binged him on the head with a chair um, and formed an entertaining heel duo with Stevie Knight. And then there was a a, a stupid finish to the TV title match where uh, Knight pinned Powers, but that you can see Powers trying to st- stick his hand out and stop the referee counting three and then rolls over to have a word with him. Uh, and they, they kind of like fiddle ass about and make it a no contest. Um, yeah. Because I guess, you know, the company owner can't lose his TV title on TV. Uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, we got we got the alliance of Kerry Cabrera and, and Stevie Knight out of it, which has been a positive, I think. Like, we were quite high on the last two episodes, weren't we? Like, relatively, yeah, yeah. Given, the, given the absolute fucking nonsense that have been the previous three before that, like some of the, the depth of the worst of wrestling. Um, and then they had two that were shockingly competent. And now episode 12. (laughs) Well, let's get into match number one, which was Bully Boy Briggs, the pride of Doncaster. Now, I've seen some of of Bully Boy Briggs' tight round Donny. I Mm -hmm. would want to mess with him. Um, (laughs) I put what a wet mullet versus... I have so many notes about Briggs. (laughs) Umbongo, Umbongo, he came from the Congo. Where (laughs) Yeah, so this is one of the the scrapyard challenge blokes from Dino Scarlo's unsanctioned scrapyard fights, uh, and he was—I think they called him Werler Stat on that. So I guess he's given up being a vampire. Uh, he comes out to the Night Rider theme, 
I noticed, or Fire It Up, which uh, the Buster Rhymes track that samples that, which came out the previous year. I, you, you can't tell from the sound mix, but I could definitely, like, I watched Knight Rider every week as a kid. I know that tune anywhere. Um, and, the, and, the, and the car probably could have done a better job than where <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he's, he looks more like he's dressed for a quick game of basketball than a wrestling match. He's a kind of lanky sort of man, dead behind the eyes. And as you said, like he's introduced as being from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Same place as Big Papa T. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. Um, fucking state of Bully Boy Briggs. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. He's out of shape. He has a mullet, a goatee, badly fitting washed out gear covered in hearts, showing his nipples with pubic fringe. Never has a man looked more like a jobber than Bully Boy Briggs. Fuck me. <laughs> that would sound like, uh, like Michael Buffer announcing nipples with a pubic fringe. <laughs> Bully Boy Boggs, because he never got the names right. Um, yeah, so Steve Morgan mentions the scrapyard stuff for Wera. Uh, and tells us that Dino Scarlo is still suspended. So he does still exist within this universe. W um, within the lore of UWA. Yeah, he he's still he's still a, a character, even like a passive one, if not an active one. Uh, so Wera starts by hoganing his T-shirt off and then does this shit back bump into a kip-up for no reason. Briggs, at this moment, isn't within six feet of the ring. He's decided... He's outside, he, isn't he? Even he's smart it. enough to get the fuck out of this. Um, and then, like, right, I really want to put the boot into this match. Go on. Go this, on. Oh, right. They lock up. The camera forgets to follow Briggs on what is supposed to be a corner whip, so he just vanishes out of the frame and then comes back into a big boot that was so bad they had to put, they had to put two cuts in it to try and hide how bad it was. I was thinking it was the slowest big boot I've ever seen. Like, uh, she Seamus would be like, you know, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, where a whole circle to do a strong but still badly executed Irish whip that sends Briggs over the top rope. Uh, I think Briggs is supposed to be acting freaked out by this 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 tall man who's really strong, but his blank face mostly just says, "I can't remember where I put my car keys." Uh, where a follows him outside and connects in inverted commas with what I will charitably call a headbutt, uh, and then runs Briggs's head into the apron a couple of times. I looked down to type that, and when I looked back up, Briggs had already stopped selling, was vacantly just pointing at somebody in the crowd. <laughs> he catches where a hot dogging with a punch to the gut and badly applies a headlock. Clearly, nobody taught him the butcher's grip. Uh, so where shoots him off, stands up, uh, and, and, and oh, Christ, right, hang on. Wera shoots him off, and Briggs, and, and then stands up to two of the lamest flying shoulder blocks I've ever seen. He sort of runs, stops, jumps in the air vertically and does a shoulder block. Um, Briggs, he manages to get a slam and a leg drop and misses another one. And then Werribot 3000 immediately stops selling, does his crap headbutt again and wins by submission with the same standing butterfly lock that Papa T attacked Jason Cross with. And that feels like three years ago, that match. Yeah. There were seven cuts in the submission finish and then two more very obvious edits once where a drops Briggs to the mat. This whole fucking shambles lasted three minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> Do you remember how bad? So we saw Wera in the scrapyard uh, sparring or they were, 
it was two martial arts guys doing shit sparring and they were pretending they were having a fight in a scrapyard. It, it was the second scrapyard match, yeah. I'm certain. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember how bad he looked doing that? Yeah. He was even worse at pro wrestling. If you told me he turned up at the building having found out what wrestling was as he walks through the door, I would believe you. What does it say for the Congolese pro wrestling scene if this vacant <laughs> donkey and Pate are the best they've produced? i tell you why he's probably running Tuesdays and Thursdays at Papa T's wrestling school in London. Oh, God, that's a thing, isn't it? Uh, after the match, Wera does a camp little jog around the prone Briggs and hits something that might have been a leg drop. We can't tell because the camera work is terrible and he's shit. Uh, and then Briggs and his one facial expression bail out and Wera does his back bump kip up thing. I wrote that this was the diarrhea of pro wrestling. This was almost as bad as the Papa T Tom Munro match. Minus four and three quarter stars. Fucking <laughs> shit. I was seriously considering our friendship at the end of this match. This was <laughs> Have you watched this twice, Kieran? I've watched it twice. <laughs> <laughs> It's a habit I've got into for must-see matches, right? So what I do with that show is I watch the match uh, as a fan first so I can, like, get the flow of it and all the rest of it, and then I'll watch it again and take notes. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, like, pausing to take the notes, like, helps you form a thought and and makes you realize, like, like the, the, the little details of what they're doing in that particular spot and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've started doing it for this as well. This show, including all the adverts, goes 55 minutes. No joke, it took me the thick end of three fucking hours to write my notes on this show. It was an absolute slog through shitty <laughs> regurgitated treacle. <laughs> <laughs> Horrific. One day, I hope you and I get to watch some good wrestling together. <laughs> you know what? I just, I just make my guests suffer through terrible wrestling you nowadays. Do. You do. I do. Oh dear! Uh, my only notes, Kieran, was oh, sorry. Uh, I, I kind of took over there. Go ahead. It's all right. Uh, I just put amateur hour stuff. Must be Papa T's mate who was smoking outside the back. Do you fancy a match? <laughs> yeah, it was probably yeah. another one of the cab drivers that you know from. Remember Alan, the the cab <laughs> or whatever his name was. Yeah, I uh, who is, right? Fucking hell! I'm getting on. Hold on, we're getting on Google here. I'm going to find out who this man is. I, and I tried to look him. He's not got a cage match profile. So I typed Wera Lestat into Google. Did you mean Barry Lestat? <laughs> Who the fuck is Barry Lestat? <laughs> he doesn't have a cage match. He doesn't, no. Jesus. I think there's a couple who didn't have a cage match. I think he were in. I don't think Tom Monroe's not got a cage match. Just a, I nearly said something very rude about him. Hey... What do we call him? A fat tattooed knacker last time. <laughs> I, I think they just found him in that scrapyard. <laughs> Fancy a match. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Couldn't it get any better than this? Uh, Stevie Knight and Kerry Cabrero interview segment. Stevie Knight's not happy. Um, and all the women at Blackpool will be dreaming of both Kerry and Stevie tonight. Yeah. Well, Having seen the women of Blackpool outside of Mark Kelly's last weekend, you don't want to go anywhere near them. Noted. I will scratch it off my potential holiday slash getting laid destinations. 
so yeah, they're, they're doing their in-ring promo, and like Knight is claiming to be the UWA champion. He keeps leaving out the word TV, which is quite important. Uh, he, he he says he pinned powers fair and square with no help whatsoever. Uh, and he says, ladies, I know you all want a piece of me, but sometimes there's not enough cake to go around. <laughs> he then unfortunately hands the mic to Kerry Cabrera, who just about undoes all the good work they've done so far. He is not the talker of this duo. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right. Like, hey. he, yells, he yells, listen up a lot. Uh, he says, they're the two sexiest men in the UWA. And right, this is a quote. He says, there was a man in this great sport of ours. He used to use the phrase called he was the 60-minute man. Where you're looking at us, we can go all night long. I think he was trying to talk about Rick Flair. Uh, he calls Paul Sloan a big nose dink. They suddenly decided that Paul Sloan has a massive nose, which is quite funny. <laughs> uh, Knight demands a rematch for the TV title and says he's not leaving the ring until the situation gets sorted. I don't know if you remember last time, we ran down a list of people who had just vanished from UWA TV. Making a return. Making a return. Here comes Saoirse. And she quietly and boringly mumbles in Scottish into her microphone that may or may not have been switched on. It was impossible to tell. Uh, that Knight will get his rematch, but the special referee will be Paul Sloan. <laughs> that, that is, I, I probably gave that too much. Like, she is not suited to holding Warden. the microphone. Warden. I... Christ, so wouldn't you cut her head off and count the rings? Uh, Sloan appears. Uh, he tries to imply that he tries to imply the heels are gay, and they make jokes about his nose. Uh, he says he's banning Cabrero from ringside for the match. All of this is really hard to hear because the sound system is dog shit. Yeah. Um, Cabrero somewhat redeems his earlier performance, saying that because he and Knight are such big sex symbols, he needs to be at ringside to keep all the women off Stevie. And if they don't get him, then Sloane's massive nose might poke his eye out. <laughs> um, Sloane stands his ground, though, and Stevie ends the segment with, if you stick your apple, ample nose in my business, I'll break it for you. Good night. Um, so he's now um, big no, Serrano de Bergerac and uh, fucking, uh, the human egg, of, as we've been calling him as well. Yeah, yeah. He looks a bit like a shrunk down King Kong Bundy sometimes. You know, like he's got the same thing where he's like the top of his head basically like flows down into his neck and then the rest of him. He's like an in-shape King Kong Bundy. Yeah. Stevie Knight continues to be the most entertaining thing in this company. And he had to do the talking for four in this segment. <laughs> um, on commentary, Steve Morgan, the heel, asks a very logical question. How can we be sure that Phil Powers' protege is going to call a Phil Powers match fairly? The heel should not be right. Well, yeah. Yeah. He also says, Kerry and Stevie are under threat from ladies such as those as the camera cuts to two girls who couldn't have been any older than 15. And given Brit Rez's recent past, I think we should move on. <laughs> I, w I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, when he said the ladies are Blackpool, I'm thinking that that, cr that crowd, they were all kids. Over the, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Over these two episodes, how many adults did you see in the crowd? It's all kids rushing the barrier. There's yeah. nobody like those two girls. Like I said, can't have been any older than fifteen, and they were the oldest people I saw on camera that weren't wrestlers. Ooh. Maybe the parents have given up. They're out having a ciggy with Wera. Yeah, yeah. Just, just. <laughs> Just we'll be back, we'll be back in about six hours after the yeah. tape is finished. <laughs> any any adverts now? As we have Cold Shield double glazing, insurance from Lombard, Mystical Tarot, Love Tarot, 
and compatibility tarot sounds like a king of trios um tag team that doesn't it <laughs> i think the tarot ads were in every single ad break across both of these shows yeah i think it it might be run by live tv or their parent company it's one of their money making things like house party House yeah. party were one, weren't it? Yeah, I still think they should have tied it into the wrestling and had a fortune teller wrestler. Oh, well, the, the, oh I can see the fit. That, that should have been Bray Wyatt's gimmick instead yeah. of fucking wearing a silly mask. Just imagine him in a tent with a turban on, telling people he can see their future. Uh, or they should have made uh, who's the woman? Uh, Rebecca, the woman who comes up with big papa tea. Like, instead yeah, of yeah, she looks a good, she looks a good Mystic Meg. Um, rest in peace, Mystic Meg. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like instead of just being a generic woman in a short dress, like all the other generic women in short dresses, like she should have like had like a tarot reader or fortune teller gimmick. That would have been great. I foresee that Papa T will be shit in this match and somehow win. <laughs> <laughs> um, Norwich Union Direct. And also, do you enjoy seeing Liars Squirm, which I did put was a perfect ad for a Brit Rest show? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, some in jokes here on live TV, you know what the adverts. Um, anywho, back to um, turns out they could see the future after all. Oh yeah, um, Phil Powers promo, looking all over the shop instead Holy of the God. camera in apparently, his nice Russell athletic vest. Apparently, there was no time to do a second tape of this because if they had this one, wouldn't have gone on TV. No. He talks some shit at a hundred miles an hour, leaving out all the punctuation, like he's, I don't know. Chris, Christopher Walken on speed uh, and repeatedly looking off camera, presumably at someone giving him time cues. He was looking off camera so much, I thought someone was going to run in and attack him and he was just looking at them for their cue. The best bit was when uh, he mentioned Knight and Cabrero and they did a hard cut to them sticking their tongues out at the camera from a previous episode. <laughs> dreadful. As always, dreadful. He's not, he's not a good promo, is he? He's not. The only thing he has is energy. He's just unfocused energy, and I think that's why people like him. It gets mistaken for being charisma, and it's not. It's just it's just energy. Yeah. Anywho, second match now. Uh, here we go. Brian Doorknob and Jerry Tenpacker Flags, uh, the Death Squad, <laughs> with the Tiny Girls versus Jorge Castano and... Hustin Star, just, <laughs> just in time. Hustin, um, yeah. This uh, this promo by Iron Duke Lynch, which I've got to say was cut to ribbons because I, it must have been so in, 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 intelligible. It's hard to say. The first, the first thing that happened was, if you look closely, he appeared to push a kid off the barrier during their entrance. That's what it looked like. Um, the uh, tiny girls both appear to be dressed as Jill Valentine from Resident Evil <laughs> in their in their black shorts and blue tops. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right about the promo. I'm pretty sure the first thing he says is "Call Mega Gear." Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> he gets no response back because I don't think anybody could understand him. He says it looks like they've got another match on their hands. Then they cut out whatever he said uh, as they cut to three different long crowd shots. Again, no adults visible in any of these shots. And then back to Lynch as he says, now it's time for work, which I think he thinks is a cool catchphrase. And then the match just starts. 
It's just a, a Sheffield phrase. Work. Yeah. Um, so uh, Bridlington, Simon Bridlington, uh, Steve Linsky with an English accent, is still on commentary. Uh, he cannot decide how to say Jorge Castano, even though Castano states tights still say george in the traditional george, english spelling yeah. yeah he goes from he goes from hoe to oh hey throughout this match uh what happens here myers beats up star until star hits a clothesline they both tag out duke and castano then immediately botch an eye poke <laughs> of all things uh duke whips castano into his own corner and star doesn't tag him uh, Myers comes in for a double team and Duke tags out by slapping him on the back while they're both four feet from their own corner inside the ring uh, Myers exposes the turnbuckles grabs George's head into them and then whips him into them the ref just stands around and does nothing doesn't care after all the times an exposed turnbuckle has been an important plot point in matches and will continue to be on this show doesn't, oh, yeah. fuck, doesn't care Uh the children that seemingly make up the entire audience chant for Death Squad as there's another double tag effectively pressing the reset button again and Duke boringly beats on style with wrestling moves he's brought with him from the 1980s. Myers tags in, gives Star a Michinoku driver and then throws him into the baby face corner and we get our third double tag of the match. Bear in mind that this ring cannot be bigger than 12 by 12. It is a fucking birthday cake they're wrestling on. It's so small. <laughs> I was going to say Kieran as well with um, what's he called Jerry Fags. Yes. Um, does it does he remind you a bit of Tyson Fury? I've not really seen Tyson. Fury. I don't do boxing, and he's a home. No, but, but I'm just thinking how he, he just how he talks and everything. Oh, really? uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he, he's he's very much like Tyson Fury, listeners. But, okay. <laughs> Tyson tepid here then. Um, what happens? Christ. Okay. The third double tag. Snapmare knee drop. Myers tags back in for the Sheffield hammer and Star pathetically stands in the corner watching the three count. And then he's shocked when George somehow can't kick out of the heels finisher. Oh, sorry. Are they the baby faces? They can't decide. This sorry mess went less than four minutes and felt like an hour. And if I can borrow your vernacular, my friend, fucking shite. <laughs> oh, God. Um... As ever, just after this match, uh, like Jerry Fags batters Castano, a mugging. He keeps power bombing people after the match, right? Yeah, it's a pretty power bomb. He never uses it in the match. <laughs> but I, I, we found out now um, after after the match a stipulation what going forward. But this is, makes no sense. So Duke grabs the mic and he makes a meal out of saying that in every death squad match going forward, his motorbike will be on the line. So previously they'd ridden down to the ring once on a motorized trike. Yeah. Um, why would you volunteer this? Why not ride it out every time and build up to a title versus bike match against the champions at a later date? He's just giving it away. Dreadful. This was the main event of the evening taping on June the 10th. So we, as we previously mentioned, everything we've seen from Blackpool so far was taped in a single day. There was a 14, a 14 match taping in the afternoon. And then another, no, no wonder parents fucked off. Yeah. They were in the pub next door. Yeah. This was the final match of those tapings. I couldn't be bothered writing wherever the fuck Dan Belinka was on about. 
and then some ads happened. I went to get a drink. I considered rum. I'd had enough already. 26 minutes into this show, and I was ready to jump out a window. <laughs> well, uh, we don't want you going full Will Cooling on the rum, so let's go through the adverts now. Oxfam, £2 a month. Um, Everton. Oh, now I feel bad about not watching the charity ad. <laughs> Everton versus Man City. Phone bar, 60p a minute. It was expensive back in them days. I always used to ring Rapid Race Line for the horse results. Once, <laughs> once my dad found out the phone bill at Christmas, there were no Christmas presents for me. Uh, house Party. House Party Hotline. Motor Finance Direct. You get a free Nokia mobile phone as well. Yep. Angels, pop your cork. No tomorrow. Angels, pop your cork. No tomorrow. What? Yeah, it is, it is the program. No, no tomorrow. Oh, okay. Next up, uh, well, coming up, we have um, it's more like a highlights package on Doug Williams' yeah. um, troubles. We, we, we've been told we're getting an update on Doug Williams, but what you actually get is a recap, like showing him getting smashed in the head during the Triple Trouble match a lot. Uh, so that's a match where he got smashed over the back of the head with a plastic MVC sign for some reason that cut the back yeah. of the head open. Um, and then the split from Linsky, and then Drew McDonald beating Danny Royal for the number one contendership, and then Drew battering Doug. This is all to set up the title match they're having next week. We complain yeah. about a lot on the show, and I will complain about an awful lot. They are very, very good with the recaps. They are always mm -hmm. the stories might not not necessarily make any sense, but you are never confused about what has happened. Yeah, who is fighting? Who is feuding with who, and why? The why might be stupid, but you always know who's got beef with who. Plus, plus it, it sort of makes you interested for for the following week. Said like you always have Dan Belinka say, "Oh, this these might meet in the next week or two. Yeah, yeah. So third match now. It's uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos. Not. Um, it's actually two. This is the UWA tag team title match. Too far gone versus. Jody, Jody Flash and Big Papa T with yeah. Rebecca. Yes. Uh, T and Flash won the tag titles from Death Squad two weeks ago. Last in week. Reality, was it last week? Okay. Yeah. In reality, they won the... They, <laughs> this match happened about 40 minutes after the tag title win. Wow. So for us, it's been six weeks in real time, you and me. It's been one week on UWA TV. And in real time, it was under an hour. Uh, Flashy Papa are introduced as weighing a combined 470 pounds. And if Jody is even 140 of that, I will eat my own socks. Like, And there's no way Big Papa T is 330 pounds. I don't know where Paul Martin pulled this from. The um, What's it with Too Far Gone? They've also got new matching gear. I did put this is a WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's sure. bad. Like they're quite for 1999, they're quite nice wrestling tights. <laughs> Steve Morgan on commentary is confused by the concept of wrestling tights, despite having commentated on a pro wrestling TV show for three months now. <laughs> I don't know what he thinks they should wear. There's a rabid mosh pit of children who almost drag Jody over the barrier several times during the entrance. I think the entrance goes longer than either of the first two matches on this show. <laughs> You're probably right there. The the proper mug Jody, yeah. And when I saw there was 15 minutes left in this show when the bell rang, I went back for the rum. 
I am not watching these four fuckers for 15 minutes. <laughs> well, how, how many of those 15 minutes do you think um, Big Papa T was in for? He's got the fucking Kevin Nash contract, doesn't he? So Jody and Morocco start with the best wrestling and best spot of the show so far, which is Morocco running the ropes, ducks a spinning head kick, ducks a clothesline, and then gets caught with the TNA kick. This is also the most offense Jody has showed in the four or five matches we've seen him in so sharp so far. Yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't last long though. So Morocco immediately catches him on a spinning leg area and power bombs him. For the second time in two tag matches, a team tags with both members in the ring as Jody swaps with T while Morocco poses on the ropes. And then T does his dreadful boss man slam and puts on a Boston Crab, forcing the other goner to make a save. Well, I would say the commentary actually noticed, like, once he did put, um, I can't think of it, we're in the Boston Crab, he said, like, no one gets out of this and he, <laughs> as, as, the, as the opponent just crawls to the rolls and just instantly... You can't remember which one it was, and I've been calling him Steve Morocco, and it turns out it was actually Paul Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jody is legal again, gets clothesline, suplexes, suplexed. Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened to Steve Linsky. He had a shocker uh on this show starting with here comes the beefcake of that um tag team there to which uh, uh morgan replies you mean the fat one as steve morocco gets in the ring <laughs> uh jody gets a sunset flip on morocco actually steve morocco as we go to the break yes uh, we have agony in 15 minutes which is just a continuation of this match <laughs> i'm in agony right now watching this damn thing <laughs> Uh, Body Tech Sports Pro, £150 including postage and packaging, yep. direct cash, um, interest rates of 19.5%. I did put in brackets, so I wish it was like that nowadays. Yeah. And um, drag racing. Most interesting thing on this channel, I think. Mm. I used to watch a bit of drag racing back in the 90s on, on, on Sky. Get on that too. Sadly not, no. <laughs> Here we go, back back to the match now, as we see some fella on the stage <laughs> who wants Papa T's attention. We yeah. do find out, find out the name later on. It's uh, Frank. Scrapyard Frank, yeah. Yeah, Jody's getting beaten up, and we can hear there's an African-accented voice over the microphone, and we cut to an unlit black man in a black T-shirt against a black background, which didn't help <laughs> anything. <laughs> they got a spotlight on him, and he says, everyone is talking about Big Papa T. And then it's impossible to make out what he says next. I think he goes into French, but you can't tell because both commentators are talking all over him. They say, <laughs> this made me laugh, they say, he's angered Big Papa T, who is so enraged that he casually slap, ha slaps hands with a child in the front row as he makes his way to the ramp. Uh, he bushwhacks up the ramp and intimidates this man, uh, who we found out is Frank, who is dressed in cobbled together martial arts gear and sort of chases him off the stage. There are nine minutes left of this TV show. <laughs> Fuck. I, I, will, I will say for these nine minutes, it it dragged, you know, for too far gone to batter Jody. It's the, it's the, the golden rule in wrestling. Like once something like significant, a significant angle mid-match happens or there's a restart, you go a maximum of 90 seconds. Mm. It's like it, the, the the WrestleMania 12 rule, you know? They go 
after the, the 60 minutes are up, they go like one minute and 30 seconds and that's your finish. Like that's yeah. how long you've got the crowd's attention for. They went on and on. So Jody, he gets, he, to be fair, Jody does get the crowd behind him. Like he's, he fights both heels at once using flying moves and pretty decent flying, including a no hand springboard dive. Oh, it was good that one. Good that yeah, one. It was it was as good as um, Kerry Cabrero's um, yeah effort. Yeah. Uh, it, but it shot so badly that you barely see the flight or the landing, and they save the good angle for the replay, where you can see his ass smash Paul Terrell right in the jaw. <laughs> you know, you know what? Sometimes Jordy Flash doesn't have a great re- <laughs> a couple a couple of efforts over the top don't go well. You're, the one where he went headfirst into the stairs at, uh, at the Olympia, King of Europe. Yeah, um, he when he's on, he's on. Mm. He unfortunately, his entire career like can get sloppy, and very often. It was because he was trying stuff that nobody else did. Like he know, was our he was our Vikingo, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I, I think last time we talked about the 720 DDT because it made its botched debut on on the previous show where they won won the belts. Yeah, I think I've seen him not hit that more than I've seen him hit that. To be honest, but when he pulls it off, it's fantastic. It's like you, ever see, you you will have seen him do like the um the spot he does like the Spider Man run up the wall as well. They called in the FWA for some reason they called that the wall unit, like it was something from a fucking kitchen catalogue. Um, but yeah, he does, yeah, he did the he used to do the run up the wall into a moonsault, yeah, yeah, which at the time again, nobody else was doing in this country. Yeah, I saw him do it where, where I see he do it. I've seen him do it at Fight Club Pro at the hangar, they were no. against um, what were they called? Desmond Xavier and the other one. Oh, Rascals? Rascals, yeah. And the, he did that right. So flip, yeah. flipped over us. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I haven't seen the whole thing. I saw clips. He was in a martial arts movie and I, they had him do him doing that, I think off the side of a garden shed or a garage or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, right. We should probably talk about this, this terrible wrestling match. Um, there was a moment that nearly killed me. Jody leaps off the top into this really impressive double choke slam from two for the price of one or whatever they're called. And then Bridlington, professional wrestling commentator, forgets the word Matt. They both powerbomb him into the, um, and then he just goes silent. This is taped. Just do it again. Just do it again. The thing is, you can tell they're not in the arena as well. Yeah. Oh, and the sound mix, I it was bad on this show. It was terrible on the next show. Just, you couldn't hear anything from the from the arena at all. It was just the commentators. One of them in particular, as we'll get on to. Um, so too far gone beat on Jody for too far long, uh, including our third both men in the ring tag of the past hour. And they finally put him away with it's like it's kind of the demolition decapitation, isn't it? Like the yeah. side slam elbow off the top thing and win the title. Best match on the show, still appalling. Yeah, too far, too far long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Post match, uh, Terrell gets the mic and gives away his East Coast oranges, uh, oranges, origins by saying, I'm about to take the piss out of what he said and I've just fucked up a word. He says, cut the music, which always made me giggle. 
he complains they've been wrestling for 10 years with no respect and now they're tag champions. They deserve respect. I think he's 22 here. So that's some real interesting maths. Fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, I also found out he's a science teacher. All right. So yeah. he, he can't do numbers and equations. Yeah. and. <laughs> Uh, they say they're not going to be good guys anymore, and I wondered if they were ever. Uh, they call the Death Squad's custom belts rubbish and demand proper belts. <laughs> good on them. Good on them. The, the, the tin belts were never going to work, were they? No. But no, I think too far gone. They were baby faces, maybe early doors in the first couple of episodes. The, one of the problems with this show, as we've discussed before, is all of the heels want to be cheered and all of the baby faces want to have an edge. So it just ends up as this mess in the middle with people, basically people cheating and being cheered. Death squad. death squad, for instance. Absolutely death squad. I wrote a little recap of the tag division, the entire tag division. Mm. Death squad show up proclaim themselves tag champions and bring their own handcrafted belts. They moan about not having enough competition and cause a match that would have given them number one contenders to go to a no contest. One of the guys in that match picks a new partner that would uh, to have a title match against them. The tag title changes hands twice in less than an hour, and then the newest champions call the belt shit and throw them down. Also, people will now be fighting for a motorbike. <laughs> this show's fucking mad. Oh. Next time uh, we do have uh, Doug Williams versus Drew uh, McDonald. Yes, and this is where they finally tell us that the man who came for Papa T is Scrapyard Frank. Scrapyard this, Frank, yes. This was a fucking dreadful hour of pro wrestling TV. And then I wrote, and now I have to watch another. <laughs> this is, however, <laughs> the end of the matches from June the 10th. I think this actually aired on my 20th birthday. Happy birthday, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there remains an unaired Jason Cross versus Blondie Barrett match, though. And I wonder how bad that was that that didn't make air and Wera did and Papa T versus Tom Munro did and the other Blondie Barrett match that you hated did and yeah. Death Squad versus Justin Socks did or whatever the fuck, Justin Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more heavy stuff let's go (laughs) (laughs) you want to see some heavy stuff we're going to give you we're going to beat you Um, episode 13 now Steve Linsky outside the big one in Blackpool that's the that's the um, fairground ride not not the uh, (laughs) (laughs) not one of the women who's after Stevie Knight no oh no no, no. <laughs> I wrote Steve Linsky cuts a promo in front of a roller coaster into a camera that appears to be attached to the end of his cock. That camera was so, <laughs> so close to him, like it's like it was taped to his bell end. <laughs> ah, dear. Um, next up, Dan, Dan Bell end, or I mean, Belinka in a red shirt and cream pants combo, straight out of I don't know, Greenwoods. How did you see his pants? How did you see his trousers? No, no, he actually did enough. You know, like a swoop, a swooping shot, and yeah, oh, I, uh, I missed that. I, I was just thinking. I don't think we've ever seen the bottom half of Dan Belinka. I think he's just a torso on, a, on an office chair. 
Uh, uh, Stevie Knight tries to get some real changes done with Sorcia once again. Hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We cut to Stevie Knight and Kerry Cabrero trying to charm Sorcia in what is very clearly a toilet. You get buddy, you get buddy section for that. Oh, so uh, Stevie shaved off his goatee since last week. Uh, they make lots of innuendos about her having stroke and pull with management uh, and make jokes about Paul Sloan's nose again. They are concerned, quite rightly, about Sloan being Palace's protege, saying that as referee, he could conceivably DQ Knight for any trivial reason to save his teacher's title. And could she please have a word with management to make it a no DQ match? They leave. She is struggling not to laugh and looks directly into the camera the moment they step out of frame. She is terrible. <laughs> Well, talking of terrible, here here comes here comes fill the promo powers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've, you've got to say when he gets in the ring and how it's shot, all you could see is just one big side of the arena, empty seats. I know there I is know. no one there now. Hundreds and hundreds of empty seats. Uh, uh, I noticed they've laid the mat so the stripes go the other way this time. It still looks weird. It still looks like a deck chair with ropes. Mm. Uh, Ross Gordon is back on commentary, and Phil Powers has is carrying the third different object to represent the TV title. So when he won the tournament, he was given a trophy. Every time he's appeared on the June 10th tapings, he had a title belt. This time, he has a different title belt that doesn't appear to have any way of fastening it around his waist. It's a horrible belt. It's so shit. It is children's amateur boxing club title. It's awful. Um, Powers' entrance includes a six-second uninterrupted shot of an empty ring on a taped show. <laughs> Who have you... You watched a lot of WCW 2000. I did, yeah. Have you ever seen a television show in which in some form or another, there is at least one disaster in every segment, whether it's someone <laughs> fucking terrible at promos, someone blowing their lines, the camera ops being dreadful, the director being dreadful, the appalling wrestlers we've had to watch every single segment, something goes wrong. And it's, frequently, it's something that's easily fixed by just not showing six seconds of an empty ring. It's like it's like the producers and the script writers from the previous from the two episodes from what we last reviewed have just been right. You've done your job, lads. Yeah, yeah. I oh fucking hell. Uh, so the whole point of this is he challenges Stevie Knight to come and fight him for the belt right now. Uh, the sound mix goes to shit as Stevie saunters past rows and rows of empty seats, and then he rushes the ring and like a tremendous idiot heel gets instantly backdropped out to the floor. Straight away, weren't it? There weren't even much of a, you know, a comeback from this. And then it, we, Kerry Cabrero came in. Yeah, Kerry Cabrero runs in a tax pass from behind, goes for the flatline, what he calls the flatliner, but we know as the sky high. Uh, yeah. Dilo Brown's like lift him up by the hips, power bomb. Powers though reverses it into a hurricane rana, and Paul Sloan takes his sweet fucking time hitting the ring to count a pin on Cabrero. It, I counted. Poor Kerry Cabrera, poor Cabrera, yeah, was down for a count of eight when all they needed was three. Uh, the heels then bail as baby faces celebrate. I thought this was actually quite a cute little angle, but it could have been better executed. Like, 
just cut out the four seconds of uh, Paul Sloan not being in the ring in time. I'd, I'd say, though, it's probably the most interested angle going on at the moment. Yeah. Easily. I'll say again, Stevie Knight is the highlight of these shows so far. But that's only since the uh, the TV title match. Yeah, I, w- I will say but that, yeah. That, he wasn't particularly interesting. And he was. they were trying, again, they were trying to make him a babyface and a heel at the same time. And now he and yeah. Graham are firmly cemented as heels. Like they're the best, they're the best thing on the show because they make sense now. Because they were all that triple trouble match, weren't it, with um Doug? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Shall Sorry. Sorsha in the uh, the the promo toilet. UWA committee have decided not to grant Stevie Knight a no DQ match. However, we have decided that the title belt can change hands on the disqualification. Therefore, guest referee Paul Sloan cannot make his decisions lightly. I'm not joking. She did pause that long mid sentence several times. Complete charisma vacuum. <laughs> match number one, no. Uh, Danny, <laughs> Dan, Danny, British Beef Royal. This is um, the Italian lad from Renford Rejects, Bruno Di Gradi, by the looks of it. It's Uh, Justin Richards. It's Justin Richards, yeah. Now, now, listeners, um, have you ever seen Renford Rejects? Uh, So I'm not a football guy at all, and that extends like beyond actual football to things like Dream Team. And the only football TV show, fiction TV show, I remember watching any of was Jossie's Giants as a kid. Oh God, that 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 is that is a uh, that is showing you Sid Waddell that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Renford for listeners, Renford Rejects, Bruno De Gradi. Now he was a handsome lad in uh, Renford Rejects playing the fake Italian. But I looked at a picture of him last night. Fuck me, he's aged. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I was surprised because like the old, the oldest one in Renford Rejects is the one who played the second version of Taggart. Okay, <laughs> and he looks younger than Bruno De Grady does now. <laughs> Go and check it out on uh, on Google. Anyhow, British beef, uh, yes. Danny Royal. He seems like the uh, the hot baby face of the of the of the week. Yeah, he comes out to the theme from The Saint, which was real interesting. (laughs) And he's still, according to Paul Martin, weighs a train stopping 245 pounds. I always like your Paul Martin. What train is he stopping? Thomas the Tank Engine? (laughs) Northern Rail. Yeah. um, (laughs) Perhaps he's responsible for the strikes. Um, Two sound sources are out of sync, creating an echo. So this here's the disaster for this segment. Uh, we haven't seen Justin. Oh, hang on a minute. Uh, it's another Scott. I've got to do my. Uh, <laughs> it's Ross the Boss Gordon is back on commentary. <laughs> we haven't seen Justin Retcher's much in the year WA because he shouts quite a lot. <laughs> and by much, do you mean at all? This is his first match. <laughs> Justin Richards was a like a very good amateur wrestler. He would go on and like uh, he was in early FWA. Was uh, he the champ? He was for a while, yeah. So uh, yeah. They, when they did the their big old school versus new school angle, he was a uh, he was a young guy with old school sensibilities. So he joined the heels. Yeah, um, he is now an English teacher in China and has been for many years. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, sadly for Justin, um, he get he get he gets done with the uh, oh god, the beef bomb, which looks a bit awful. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, yeah. Uh, again, there's, there's what they call the Beef Man press slam, which just looked like they fucked up Goldberg's press into a power slam, leaving poor Justin Richards to rod to drop onto his face. Uh, there, oh, Christ. There's a Fisherman Buster. There's a nice uh, gut wrench power bomb. Uh, and then Royal fucks up his finish for the win. Uh, it was sure it was fine until the botched finish. The thing I took issue with, though, was Danny Royal hit six unanswered big moves in a row leading to the finish, which is too many for a squash match. Three would be two, two, three, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is out of the two uh, shows we've seen so far. Sorry, out of the four matches we've seen across these two shows so far, this squash squash match with a botched finish was the best. (laughs) Well, it says it says something for um, most of the shit that we've watched up to press. Um, adverts now we have um, an advert for Rangers versus Finnish champions FC Hacker. I don't, not a clue if they're still going. And also um, Judge Judy and uh, Febreze. Back when Freeze was Febreze was a new product. It was, yeah. You, well, you can get it everywhere now. Brilliant Febreze. Yep, yep. Perfect when my. Uh... I need to wear a jumper another day. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's also good if you run out of deodorant, just like oh. <laughs> wow! You really I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The bulky thing in me. I have. I have actually done that. Oh no. <laughs> um, <laughs> iron fresh, definitely. <laughs> What you smell like an iron, (laughs) iron, yeah. Uh, match number two now, you can do nothing and like it. It's Alex (laughs) Shane with uh Murphy versus you want some of the heavy stuff? We're gonna beat you. The death (laughs) squad again, our mates. Apparently, this is for a title match and the death squad's bike, so winners get a title shot. Alex Shane has got blonde tints in his hair now. So when I was a kid, this would have been like 1984, I think. We would, uh, we, I lived in a, in a block of flats, and we were friends with people who lived in the the block opposite. And we would meet up with them every morning and walk to school together. And I remember the teenage son had exactly Alex Shane's haircut from this match, like the the blonde flat, the the, the brown flat top with with a uh, with just the front uh, uh, bleached. To, to, to be honest, around this time in like late nineties, it probably would have been quite popular. This not not myself because I, I think I was like naturally I had a bit of blonde in me with curly hair, but uh, mm. it's like David Beckham era stuff, mm. you know, with, with blonde blonde hair. I don't know why I would have had. We get a recap of Shane getting decked by the still nameless bodybuilder two weeks ago. You our body, it what's it? Well, not our body, Harrison. Ian Harrison, British Storm. Okay. And like, did we like someone tweeted us about all this? Like, he never has a match, does he? No, I did look later on. He does turn up as um, a bodyguard on on UWA. Yes. Okay. All right. So the angle isn't completely dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get an Alex Shane promo. All the mannerisms are already there. If you've ever seen an Alex Shane promo. Like, this is the same thing, but skinnier. 
um, including the the raging back the back knee and the shoulder and neck tick that he's always had. He complains that their name is shit. He's like, you've got tag teams called the Death Squad and Too Far Gone. We're just Shane and Murphy. He says his favorite Van Damme movie is Double Impact, and now they're going to be called Double Impact. And Murphy's like, yeah, all right then. He says their other problem is that he looks great and Leon looks like shit. But don't worry, he has the secret to tag team success in this carrier bag he's brought out with him. A pair of tight, shiny PVC trousers just like his. And Murphy is appalled. He throws them down and kicks them out of the ring. I quite like this. I thought this was fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I said before, I love the idea of a chalk and cheese tag team like this. I just don't think these two are good enough to do it. Although, no. as many bad things as I can say about Alex Shane, many of which would probably get me in a lot of trouble, <laughs> he, is, he was very entertaining here. Like, he's starting to develop into something, I think. I think I think we said many a time, Kieran. He was always good on the mic. He was one of the very few people who could talk. There are three people in this company who can talk: Stevie Knight, Alex Shane, and Drew McDonald. Everybody yeah. else should be kept as far away from a live mic as possible. Hell, they should be kept away from a dead mic. Sorcia, <laughs> Phil Powers. <laughs> uh, the Death Squad uh, are the victim of budget cuts. They only have one tiny girl with them. And they actually give her a name. She's actually called Lana. Yes. And it's not the one I think's worth a cowboy hat. It's the other one. <laughs> um, we get a recap of the two tag title changes, and then Duke does his usual shit promo. He claims that fire regulations say they're not allowed to ride the bike to ringside anymore, but he pr produces the keys and the title deed to the bike. And I really wanted to pause it to read it and see what his name was, what his address, like any other sort of GDPR information he should not have been putting on national television. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the winners have to sort out their own insurance, CBT licenses and helmets <laughs> to actually legally ride the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Jerry Fags has cut off his proto mullet, mm. so he's no longer Mike Reasonable, the the pathetic Mike Awesome clone. He's got a single short little braid, beaded braid instead, hanging off, like he's just been to I don't know Falaraki for a week or something. Oh, so was it like a bit of a rat's tail or something? Kind of, but it's like it's a tiny bit of hair that has has uh, like three or four little beads on it. Uh, it's the kind of thing that like white people get when they go on holiday, right? Well, I mean, I'm just trying. I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to think of a wrestler with like a fucking rat's tail. I'm sure Zebra Kid had one, didn't he? Zebra Kid had a, a fucking grade A mullet for a long time, yeah. And it was kind of like it was the one thing that made him like kind of kept him from being like a proper serious star. I think. Like, because he was a great wrestler, his charismatic people loved him. He had he had an appalling haircut for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, no, Lance Storm is the famous rat tail of wrestling. Yeah, Lance Storm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, did he still have it at this time? He certainly had it in '97. I don't know if it, it continued into '99. I probably would have gone by this day, but yeah, '97. Yeah. Yeah. Can I also say, state of your fucking referee, mate? He looks all of five foot two and at least 75 years old. He looks like the bloke who runs my local chippy. Was it Hans Molman? <laughs> yes, pretty much. It might as well have been. What about Murphy's giant whoopsie that he does onto the back of Lynch's head? I thought this looked oh, amateurish. 
I mean, best. this was absolutely no better than the last Death Squad match. So Myers beats up Murphy until Murphy pops him in the mouth. He tags Shane, who runs in and acts scared of Lynch, who hasn't tagged in yet. So Shane has to stop and then act scared again once Death Squad actually make the tag. There's some rope running. Murphy clocks Duke from the apron and double impact takeover. Somehow they manage a double suplex in this tiny ring, which when you think Shane is six foot five, and I would say Duke is six two, maybe, I mm. cannot believe he didn't just bounce off the ropes on the other side. He's uh, always had trouble with this ring as well, Alex Shane. You know, because oh, he fell out of on one, didn't he? Like his he did, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Murphy splashes and covers. The referee is out of position. Lynch kicks out before one, but the referee counts to two anyway. Uh, Shane gets whipped into the ropes, seemingly tags Murphy without his knowledge, and he comes in to help make an absolute meal of a double team. This fucking hell, right. Duke collides with the ref on a corner whip in the corner. Ref doesn't sell a thing, then almost gets hit with Duke's feet on a body slam. Shane comes in without a tag and double impact hit in order, a leg drop, a Vader bomb off the middle rope and a top rope splash with the now apparently legal Shane making the pin and Duke kicks out at one. <laughs> at this point, Tiny Lana has been on the apron for about a minute. Shane goes over to chat her up, but Lynch punches him, hits the tombstone and tags Myers for the Sheffield hammer and it's all over. Murphy could have easily made the save, but instead just drops off the apron and walks away as Myers does his decent powerbomb to Shane again. Again, and as well, as well, Kieran, the camera missed um, Iron Duke Lynch's tombstone because of the tiny girl. Yep. Uh, Myers yells into the mic about beating up Too Far Gone and Double, Im uh, double Impact have a shoving match, and then Leon chases Alex up the ramp. Fucking dreadful. I say that after every match. Fucking dreadful. Fucking shite. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds better when it comes from you. And we, we find out next, Kieran, though, that it's going to be Paul Terrell versus someone called Dane Erickson. This pro so, too far gone are in the promo toilet. You're in the bog again. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, Morocco goes, So, Paul, what is this with Dana Mamerton? <laughs> I didn't know what he said. And then uh, Paul clarifies this is Dane Erickson. Turns out they're complaining about Paul having to have a singles match. And then the match happens. And they introduce his opponent as the Viking. And he's never once referred to as Dane Erickson. Continuity. <laughs> what is this? But How did this, how did this get on TV? <laughs> somehow, somehow. Um, bit, well, before it, though, we have um, adverts again. Uh, we oh, have I just wrote Mind of Football. That's all it was. Yeah, so it was Talk Football 365 with Andy Gray, another Scottish person, not called Saucia. have a lineup, but I've at least heard of him. And um, can Louise keep two fellas on the go this week on Agony? What do you reckon? Can she? Does she seem like the kind? Oh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, she maybe wants to audition for the tiny girls to replace the one who were missing. Who knows? I think so. Gotta maybe. do. Maybe. Hmm. 
So, um, Dane the Viking Ericsson versus Paul Terrell, Viking with a big ginger mullet. Better or worse than Bully Boy Briggs? Uh, A better wrestler? Uh, Marginally better look. Mm. Like, if Briggs is a two, this guy's a three. He's a chubby lad in a tunic with a ginger mullet. Uh, he has a nice running corner splash, though. Like, he hits that with a decent amount of velocity. Uh, Terrell has a crap top rope drop kick that it looks nice in form, but, like, he doesn't hit anything. Uh, Morocco also gets involved because heels now. Um, and frequently in this match, whoever was getting beaten on is suddenly in control again. So, like... Uh, um, uh, Viking hits his corner splash and spills to the outside. And then when he gets back in the ring, like Terrell just beats him up. And then they do that the other way round. And it's like, there's no transitions between stuff. Yeah. Um, I called it three minutes of not botching anything, but not being good either. And then Terrell hits the top rope Frankensteiner and gets the pin. I thought Terrell looked all right. Yes. In general. I don't, I mechanically, I don't think he's a bad wrestler. He's he's an average competent wrestler. I've unfortunately had to see him wrestle live several times. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's competent, and he for the most part he looks like a wrestler as well. Like by the standards of this show, like he's got a decent shape to him. He's got good gear and is is competent in the ring. I'd I'd, I'd say Terrell and um, Morocco actually look a decent outfit now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see if they actually have any good matches together. I mean, Christ, they've got to have a match with the Death Squad, haven't they? Looking good on you, lads. Good on you. Uh, match number four now. It's the UWA title match uh, with Drew McDonald versus Doug Williams. Doug Doug um, Doug um, promises to treat Drew like a dog, but we go to the ring and um, Drew. He's um, cutting a very scary Scottish promo. Oh, my you God. You would not fuck it. I did put not a clue what he's on about, but not arguing with him. He just, yeah, he, he's very good at the terrifying promo. Um, he's leaning into his Highlander moniker by quoting the film because he starts with, I have something to see. It's better to burn out than to feed away, which was from Highlander. And then later on, he yells into the camera, there can be only one. Um, a movie which, of course, has a wrestling scene in it. It has a, a wrestling match at the beginning. I haven't watched that for ages. I love that film. Uh, yeah, they you get a recap. They they do mid match recaps, so the match like hasn't officially started, but like the segment for the match has, and you get a mm. recap of Doug binning off Linsky again. Um, uh, this is the point where I wrote that Drew, Alex, Shane, and uh, Stevie Knight are the only people on the show with anything resembling charisma. Um, Doug also has a different title belt to the one he had last time. It's not bloody who's its um, TV title, is it? Well, no, it's not. Uh, but it does mean he is no longer an American Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champion, as he was uh, last time out. He's, Although, now, he's, now, he's now the um, Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge Champion, but <laughs> a year earlier. Yeah. Uh, this belt, though, is markedly worse than the AWF tag belt. Um. Yeah, and then there's not much before the break. Doug gets an early two count with a backdrop and then collapses trying to do a slam and we go into going to the break. Um, not much in the break apart from a mismatch of the day with a monster, monster, Eric Hall. Goblin. 
Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and Frank, Worthing, Frank Worthington doing an Elvis impression. Oh, I, I just knew some old bloke fucking up the words to Hound Dog. Um, and a very long ad for fountain pens that felt a bit, oh, God. It was, oh. What's the Peter Serafinovich character, the guy who does all the disguises, the detective guy? I cannot remember. Uh, um, uh, Butterfield? Mm. I have a range of clever disguises. Fireman, croupier, Lord Mayor's croupier. But there's more. Um, and they said just kept going, but that's not all, just like that character. It was really it was like you can have a fountain pen, but that's not all. Here is a chain for, pen for your checkbook. That's not all. Here's a mechanical pencil. And that's not all. If you're a lady, you can also have a small dainty pen that fits in your handbag for ladies. It was really just sort of like casually sexist. <laughs> Some good voice over there, Kieran. I, I, I think you should do a bit of uh, shopping ads. <laughs> Get me on anyway, but, uh, but that's not all. As uh, we have Drew McDonald. Mac, I was going to say McIntyre. <laughs> Drew McDonald <Drew, laughs> <Drew laughs> yeah. on top here. Just, sm just smashing Doug all over the shop. Uh, I will yeah. say, Drew, it looks excellent here. I Yeah, I mean, like... I came into British wrestling at the time where he was kind of like a joke among hardcore fans. Like he was, that was only three years after this and he couldn't move. He was a shit worker. Like he, and it was him and Robbie Brookside that were held up as kind of like, these are the relics of the past. And here he is, I mean, he's a big lad, but he's a fairly energetic brawler. He's taking mm. bumps all over the place. Like, his stuff looks good. He's really good at being the scary heel. Like, if he was younger and in better shape, like, it, you could have built this company around him easily. Um, yeah, like you said, like, he smashes Doug all over the place, all around ringside. Um including like throwing them over the timekeeper's table. They do a power bomb on the floor that fucking Ross goes crazy for. The referee needs to start the match. Like, calm down, lad. <laughs> it's, um, that, it was at that point I wrote, holy shit, I've had enough of Ross Gordon. Like, I know I previously praised his energy, but he is needlessly hyperbolic and it's made even worse by the sound mix. Cause you can't, if the crowd were making any noise, like you can't hear them. Like because the mix is so bad, he is all you can hear, and it's it's very very irritating. We um we, we, back in the ring though, it, it, there were a lovely Doug's German suplex on um, Drew. That Fucking was hell, it him up, didn't it? A guy the size and shape of McDonald uh, that is basically like three hundred pound Easter egg. Like that is incredibly impressive. A very tanned Easter egg as well. Very tanned Easter egg, yeah, dark chocolate. Um, yeah, he. Oh, uh, so that gets that gets broken up by Linsky swiping out Doug's ankle, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, the just before that, Doug also does a superplex off the top rope on him as well. Yeah, like two big power moves on this big guy, one after another. Um, so uh, Drew takes the turnbuckle pad off. Told you that would happen again. Uh, hits a power bomb. Uh, Danny Royal then runs down as Linsky is tying up the ref. 
whips McDonald into the exposed corner and then slams him into place for Doug to hit a lion salt and get the pin. Drew immediately pops up and chases Royal to the back. Um, I think this was the... I didn't like the finish that much. Sorry, I like some things about the finish. I like that there was a continuation to the storyline of Drew McDonald and Danny Royal. So this yeah. is... Because Danny Royal got fucked out of his title shot by agreeing to the match with Drew, and then Drew didn't just monster him like he was. He was bumping all around for Danny Royal, and then mm. only got beaten because he got distracted by Linsky and squashed against an exposed turnbuckle. So, in a poetic justice sense, that made sense. I don't think it made your babyface champion look great that someone had to help him. He was jammy. One of yeah. my notes, jammy. Yes, the way he should have helped him would be by counteracting Linsky rather than counteracting Drew, I think. Would have would have made Doug look better. And I don't think it matters that I've even called Doug the babyface champion because he then grabs the microphone and cuts a mostly heel promo, saying he would have beaten Drew anyway and then leaves without his jacket or his title belt. Hmm. Um easily the most competent match across these two episodes. Definitely. I don't think it was a very good match, but it was competent. I don't think anything was touching it over the the two episodes. No, and again, like, it's two and a half stars, maybe? Hmm. Easily, but uh, I think think Drew held the match for me, definitely. That is still four more stars than any other match on these shows. Especially when one got minus four and three quarter stars from Yukiri. That was so bad. How? So watching these shows is like finding out the FWA had an NXT and it was terrible. It's all the people you know from that, but before that. And I do not understand how they've managed to find so many bad wrestlers and gather them all in one company. It's like they put out an ad saying, could you not put on a headlock? Are you fucking shit at clotheslines? We'll give you a job. Um, That is one of the least competent wrestling TV shows I've ever seen. As I said, from any any point of view from production to commentary to promos to in-ring to booking to continuity is flat out dreadful and we are having to really find like it's picking diamonds out of cow shit it's (laughs) awful stuff and yet every month i come back for more Tell you what, they would have done great business in the Congo with Frank and Papa T on top and Vera. Oh, my God. It would have, like, every other match that those guys weren't involved in would have been like, Christ, all Japan women in the 90s compared to... (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. Yeah. How much right? How much more of this we got to go? There's 21 episodes. We've done 13, and there's one missing. Yeah, 18's so. missing, and there's a best of which is number 17. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll cross. Let's do 14 and 15, and then we'll figure out how we're going to do 17 later. <laughs> we'll, we'll watch it and we'll make a decision as to as to how we're going to cover 17. But oh, I actually 
felt better about these shows the second time I watched them. The first time I watched them, these were, I was going to say up there, but I really mean down there with those like back-to-back shockers we we watched a couple of months ago. Mm. And it really was only Stevie Knight being very entertaining and the Williams and McDonald title match that saved this. Yeah, The rest of this is dirt. Well, Kieran, your show and you've hardly said anything. I, I really must have something I need to get off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to, to be honest for myself, I did think, um, I thought the first episode went quite quick. To be honest, I am like I am liking that they have got it down to a core like roster of people. So too far gone, yeah. you, you you know I tell you bad is your death squad who are lingering around like a bad smell. Um, yeah, yeah, you fit. I was a Cabrero. I do like. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, and St- Stevie Knight and Cabrero. I do like. I do yeah. like that. Stuff. But there is there is outlines there that oh here's what's coming up it might be all right but I'm sure they're gonna go down off into another like fucking wild direction aren't they? I maybe we'll talk about this when we've done all of the episodes. Yeah, but I am trying to think if this is better or worse than Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge. <laughs> Just, just, just think on that for the next couple of months while we get through these, and then we'll we'll make a decision at the end. Well, I'll, I'll let you into a secret, Kieran. One of, the, I think, one of the next episodes, I think it's in the next couple, is a show at a fairground. What? Yes. <laughs> uh, bring on the haunted house death match. <laughs> Papa T versus Frank haunted house death. <laughs> No ghosts required. They're scary, and their wrestling is scary enough as it is. Kieran, anyhow, um, away from away from the uh, terrible wrestling of UWA, have you been? Um, what have you been podcasting about on? Uh, th- this is more mustn't see matches. What have you been recording on must see matches? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what have we done recently? Uh, the most recent episode available is JP from Grapple came on to talk about. Uh, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin from Survivor Series 96. Yeah. Um, before that, we had uh, US indie wrestler and commentator Sean Orleans was talking about uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles from Wrestle Kingdom 10. Uh, that was fun. Sean's a great guy. Uh, and then the one before that was our one and only match from DDT. Uh, uh, Jamie OD, who runs Dramatic DDT, which is kind of like the fan site for DDT. It's like it's an invaluable resource for English speaking DDT fans. He came on and we talked about the Akito versus Asuka, not that one. You might know her as Venny in AEW. Uh, Ippon Light Tube Deathmatch, which, no joke, is one of my all time favorite matches. It's genius the way they turn comedy into drama. Fantastic. Um, uh, on Sunday, uh, I'm doing this slowly so you don't call me Excalibur again. Uh, we have our first, <laughs> we will be releasing uh, our first of three WrestleMania episodes in a row. 
so we're heading into WrestleMania season, and it just so happens that in the current bucket of of matches we're 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 talking about, we have three that took place at WrestleMania. Uh, so uh, Sarah Parkin is returning to discuss Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair from WrestleMania 37. And then the week after that, uh, a big time superstar guest as Andy Ogden himself uh, will be joining us. Yeah, one of the famous Ogden brothers, not the good one, but one of the famous Ogden brothers. Who let that dog shout on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you're coming on and we're going to talk about ultimate warrior versus randy savage from wrestlemania 7 so 30 oh, yeah. years apart and wildly different matches bring, bring your kleenex for that one uh, why what are you planning to do it wasn't that good <laughs> I, don't, I don't know plenty of tears in that match oh tears right okay uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can find that show called Must See Matches on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, tons more places. Go to linktr.ee slash mustseematches for all the ways to subscribe. Uh, we are at Must See Matches on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon. And if you want to follow me, mostly bitching about the camera work on AEW, uh, you can follow me at Kieran Edits on Twitter. And if I haven't outstayed my welcome at nearly an hour and 20 minutes into this show, I also want to plug... I was recently recorded an episode of Long and Winding Royal Road with WH Park. Um, it's not out yet, but if you want to hear me talking about Vader versus Kent Kabashi, which is the 1999 Champion Carnival final for All Japan Pro Wrestling, that'll be up on post wrestling within the next week, I do believe. Um, so that's all my shit out of the way. Well, uh, what have I got to plug? Uh, so um, this past this past week, it's been. Uh, Ben, Ben, Andrew, Wild Ride. Yeah, so we've been to um, had our PCW Roll to Glory weekend. Uh, so two reviews from there, and also a review from uh, Tidal Wrestling in Huddersfield, which was um, probably the best of their free shows up to now. A really good Sugar Dunkerton versus Tate Mayfair's match, just because of the comedy and just overall presentation of it and also um on this um on this podcast we recently had uh the one and only matty edwards um we were talking oh, yeah. some tonight uh, about cage matches i mean i know i'm like preaching to the choir here but like that is a very fun hour and a half like it, if somehow you're a listener to gcp and you haven't listened to that episode you must it's it's exactly what you want out of a, an andy and matty podcast talking about shit wrestling Fantastic. Loved it. Thanks very much. Uh, follow us at um, GCP Podcast One on Twitter. Myself at Oggy Part Free. And um, oh, where will we see you next? Uh, the Red Pro Rumble. Ah, you're coming down for that. It's a good, a good evening, Yoko. You can do better than that. If, if it comes out with that line again, I'll be creasing myself. <laughs> they but have. Sorry, uh, Francesca do it. The lady called Francesca do it now, don't they? Or does Andy still oh, do yeah. it? Michael. Michael. Oh, cool. Yes, yes, <laughs> Francesca. Yes. Uh, but Kieran, thanks, thanks for ever uh, joining us for this uh, hour of, uh, going through going through hell. Thank you for letting me lay on your wrestling therapy couch and just scream my mind into a microphone for an hour. <laughs> my pleasure, mate. Um, <laughs> well. 
See you next time, folks. Bye-bye.